IoT is a linchpin to digitizing smart manufacturing, smart cities, and many other industrial enterprises. However, its adoption is often plagued by security concerns. The 5G enhancements that support 1 million devices per square kilometer also increase the attack surface for cyber criminals. An entire business network can be compromised due to vulnerabilities in a connected surveillance camera or even smart bulbs. Though private LTE and 5G networks are theoretically designed for highly secure and controlled network access, are they ready to securely handle the massive influx of connections? Let's find out. Hi guys, this is your host Ashish Jain and you're listening to the Alignment Podcast where we go beyond the buzzwords and connect the dots between technology and its business impact. Meet my guest for today's podcast, Jimmy Jones, the head of security for Zariat. I've had the privilege of working with Jimmy at many companies and he's undoubtedly one of the brightest technical minds I've come across with sales acumen. He has held many positions in the tech world from engineering to sales to business development at several companies such as WordCom, PCI, Positive Technologies, Ribbon Communications and Nextone. In our discussion today, we will uncover a few things such as the IoT security gaps enterprises should watch for. How does the use of private networks help secure the IoT? What were some of the security learnings from the initial stages of IoT deployment that will influence its prospects in the private 5G implementations? And what are the biggest challenges companies face when using a private network with IoT connections? So let me welcome Jimmy Jones. Jimmy, thank you for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me, Ashish. It's good to, good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you, sir. We have a long history of working together and I've always enjoyed, uh, you know, your company and, you know, competing in different occasions at so many uh, industries. So uh, it's been it's been a great ride with you. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time. We've known each other and uh, yeah, it's always been good. It's always been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now you've, you know, you shifted, you've always been in the telecom space, you know, doing security in one way or the other. I and mean, when, when we were doing session border controllers, that was still a security play. Now you are on the other side of the security, which is IoT. So tell us a little bit about your involvement with IoT and security. What is going on in this space and why does it excite you? Um, yeah, you're entirely right. I've just, uh, I moved into uh, Zariat, um maybe four or five months ago after spending four years really looking deeply into um, telecom security. I think with the explosion of IoT, I think it's the market that we all need to be involved in. It's the, it's the one element that's going to be affecting our lives more and more as we move forward. And I think it's going to be more disruptive than, than social media. I think what you've seen in the last 10 years with social media, I think you can multiply that three or four times. So, so having uh, the opportunity to work in uh, IoT and move across um, was something that was uh, just too good to miss. Um, and, and I think the, the, the telecom side is very strong. And I think I can see from my uh, experience in telecom and from the way that those networks are built that uh, I, I see that as core to making IoT successful. I think there's a place, obviously, for other connectivity mediums, but I think the primary medium moving forward will be, will be cellular-based um, so it was just an excellent opportunity really to bring the skill sets up that I had together in, in a company that is really pushing the boundaries and that is uh, fully focused on um, security, which I think is massively important for um, IoT connectivity. So that's essentially what we're doing. We're trying to secure that um, connectivity. And it's just a very interesting subject. Absolutely. No, it is, it is an absolutely a very interesting subject. Now, 
it's a very interesting subject because, of course, you know, of the benefit it brings in terms of sensors, monitoring, uh, controls, you know, you can be more aware of the environment, what is going on. But at the same time, IoT is often, you know, plagued with the perception that it is not secure. In fact, you know, in my conversations with some of the other experts, I've even heard a very bold statement, there is no security in IoT. What is, what is your view in that? Um, I tend to agree in some ways. So if you if you look around us, almost everything we innovate and connect has some sort of shortcoming. And you can argue that the positives outweigh the negatives. Uh, but with security, sometimes that's, that's really hard to justify. Um, and I think 2022 will, will probably show that we'll make mistakes, which is, which is really important because I think that will start to polarise opinion, really, because it is going to affect people's lives. And I, I just don't think people are really grasping how fast the world is changing and the impact it will have. Um, so any reservations will erode confidence and adoption. So we do as an industry need to really look carefully at that. With the point about uh, lack of uh, security or no security in IoT, there is a lot of times when that is true. There's, there's, IoT is a difficult market because there's, there's a lot of pressures on people. So you have the first mover uh, advantage. So you tend to see people go to market very early or, or just just go to market to see if the, the market actually exists. So you, you tend to get devices that are um, not built with security by design, which is key if you really want to secure something that that is completely open. It's the most open part of your network. There's no other element in your network that someone can go onto eBay and buy and spend their evenings trying to work out how to hack you. You can't do that to your email server. So it's it's something that's very exposed. The other thing is it, there's price points are very sensitive. Um, we see that all the time. Even when we go to market, we might add and, and talk to someone about adding security and they'll just start pushing back and say, well, it affects my price points. I think that's falling away a little bit now, but it was always there. And the other element is they tend to be built uh, with off-the-shelf software and hardware. And the reason for that is price points and speed to market, actually. But what happens is you tend to create something that's almost like an IoT Frankenstein's monster. You've got all these different parts put together to create something, but how do you actually stay on top of the security of all those different elements? Because... What that means is any piece of software or hardware that you have, if somebody finds a problem elsewhere, it's adopted or um, it's absorbed into your um, your solution as well. So problems that could occur on something that looks completely different to the device you've created may actually use the same software or the same hardware element um, that exposes you as well. And, of course, you've got zero days on top of that as well. So creating a software and hardware bomb, being able to look after that and being able to really understand what you have, I think, is key. So, yeah, I think I think your previous um, interviews were, were, were actually pretty pretty close to the mark. The, the security is, is pretty poor, to be honest, overall. There is exceptions, obviously. And I think that's why we're seeing huge uh, movement with... Um, global administrations looking at um, bringing in regulations across, basically across the globe. So, so that, that sounds scary, right? I mean, your, your statement is actually pretty compelling that it's the most open part of a network. <laughs> you can buy it from eBay, a component, and put it in a network. I mean, the way, if you put it, you know, from that perspective, you know, it actually makes it sound like, wow, okay, 
that is actually true to a great extent. Um, now, having said that, enterprise market, right, is evolving. There's, especially in the industrial 4.0 settings, IoT plays a very important role because everything they want to monitor, control, and things like that. Now, what are the steps they should take, right? I mean, let's let's talk about, first of all, before we talk about the steps they need to take, you know, we definitely learned that, okay, the device itself is is less secure or completely insecure, to, to your point. Um, but there are other elements that go in the network, right? I mean, in the overall uh, IoT deployment, there's a, there's a network, the connectivity aspect, the network you're connecting to, and how is that network connecting to other uh, other networks right so is 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 the device the most insecure part of this whole w- workflow or are there other areas where the enterprises need to take worry about not just the device itself yeah you can't just concentrate on the device it's a end-to-end security is something i preach all the time if you imagine every iot ecosystem can basically be boiled down to three elements you have the device you have the network connectivity and you have the application that's running those those devices. And that application could be as simple as a server gathering all the data, or it could be something more dynamic, pushing um, instructions back to the device. But the device, the network and the application, that is your IoT DNA. You have to understand the full DNA to be able to secure your network. Obviously, the device, as I mentioned, is particularly exposed. But the application end, the server end, that is as exposed as a portal or a website. That is going to probably have API calls or it's going to have a, a customer interface. And it's going to be open from every, every, anywhere in the world, probably. So that is as exposed as the device. You need to think about that. What we need to do is we need to work as an ecosystem. Collaboration and cooperation is the only way that an enterprise can have a secure um a secure IoT solution. You need your device manufacturer, your connectivity provider, and your application uh, developer all to be working together because they all bring individual skill sets. And this is far, far too diverse for, for anybody to be able to say, I can do this under one, uh, one umbrella. You may have a system integrator, but again, he'll have to just control those three elements as well. And you could have multiple device vendors, don't forget. Uh, and you could have multiple connectivity solutions. You may have, you may be using Wi-Fi for certain elements, Bluetooth for other elements, cellular for mobile um, uh, data. Um, they all have to come together, and that's where we're looking to do. Because as the, at the moment, IoT is, is still very much M to M, machine to machine. It's siloed in most, in a lot of cases, it's siloed um, solutions talking to a data um, collection area. That's got to move forward as we move more into operational technologies where um, the actual IoT device not only monitors but actually controls some sort of physical action. That's going to, that's going to expand and there's going to be more and more elements to every ecosystem. So what I believe an enterprise needs to do is it needs to, the, the most important thing is it needs to understand its goals and it needs to understand its partners. So go for partners who obviously show great competence, but also show flexibility to work with you because the IoT solution has to be the goal, not not the technology they bring. If I just go to a customer and say, I've got very secure connectivity for IoT, yeah, great, so what, you, that's your job. What I want to be able to do is I want to say that I can work with you to make your solution, your overall solution more secure. The other thing you need to do 
as the enterprise is you need to consider where your boundaries are, what are your how, what are your risk aversions, and get buy-in. Because everybody's the, the only way a network can be completely secure, and this is any network, not just mobile or any networks, is you turn it off. There's always got to be there's always going to be some opportunity that people, maybe not today, but maybe tomorrow, can exploit. So what you need to work out is what can never ever happen. Get your CEO, your CTO, whoever he is, just to sit down and say, look, this can never ever happen because it'll be different for different enterprises, depending on where you are, depending on what business you're in. If you're in medical, obviously. It may be more important than, than other areas. But you need to understand that. Get the buy-in because IoT takes a long time to actually deploy and it also takes a long time to actually get the return of investment. So you want to be sure that everybody's on the same uh, page. You want to be sure that everyone's committed to security and you want to be sure that it's measurable. If you know what can never happen, you can work towards something. If you just put a wishy-washy, it has to be secure, then you're allowing people, you're allowing your partners to be able to, to go off on tangents. If they, if you lock them in and they're flexible enough to work together and they agree to collaborate, I think that that's the key for the enterprise. They need to have, they need to be have an overview of the whole end-to-end -end solution and just control those areas, control those partners. That, that's what, that would be key for me if I was doing it. I think that's, that's, a, that's a very important uh point and a, and a good advice there for enterprises. I think that, that that's actually true for any solution, right? Most of the uh, implementations are not point product solutions in the market, right? I mean, if you're trying to do anything in the digital transformation or digitization, it requires, you know, an ecosystem to come in and collaborate and work together. And, and I'm sure IoT is no different. But let's go back to your, your point about the connectivity. And, and I know that's not just the only thing that one needs to prevent and secure, but, but let's just Talk, let's hone into that a little bit more, right? So there's a parallel trend happening in the market about, you know, 5G deployments, private network deployments, um, you know, very, very IoT-centric networks uh, coming, you know, coming up with, you know, more enhancements coming from 3GPP around NB-IoT and, 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 and CATM and, and, and others. So walk us through, you know, in terms of what's your opinion about is 5G... Uh, a less secure or more secure? I mean, there are multiple thoughts in the market here right now, right? So what are your thoughts on, is 5G a less secure connectivity platform, I'll call it, versus, you know, a connectivity type, it's a connectivity platform because it supports many things. Is 5G a less secure connectivity platform for the future or does it bring in something new that will stop at least the connectivity holes or fill at least the connectivity holes that, uh, that are imposed on the IoT solutions? That's a massive question. Okay. <laughs> so okay, so 5G is trying to achieve a lot more. It's a, it's a sea change from what we've previously um, done as a telecoms industry. Um, we're looking to support verticals. We're looking to open the network. We're looking to create an ecosystem where the solution is key. We're moving away from a single solution where it's just me surfing the internet or ringing my wife or texting my, uh, texting my friends. We're moving away from that to, to something that's far more um, encompassing and something that's far more complex. The fact that you're adding complexity, complexity is the enemy of security. As soon as you put complexity in there, you, you have a massive problem. There's been a lot of thought gone into 5G security, and I think there's some excellent uh, areas where it's more secure, and we could go through those, but it would take ages. Um, 
The reliability is also something that needs to be there, though, because if you think about IoT, there's, there's five elements you really need to secure. You need, you need availability, you need privacy, you need security, um, and you need longevity. You need to be able to have all those elements together uh, to be able to, to create an overall secure solution. What 5G does, and I think in the short term, is probably going to be the most uh, risk, is it brings together lots of uh, different technologies, a lot of which uh, are, are very well known. So whereas Telco previously had problems, but the protocols used were so obscure that they, were, they maybe weren't abused as much as they could have been. It was um, security through obscurity, basically. If you start bringing in uh, APIs and you start bringing in HTTPS and things like that, people know these inside out and they've been working on them for years and years as, as hackers, as white hack, black hack hackers. They've all been looking at these. They understand the issues and they can just pull in the same ideas and the same techniques they used against financial institutions or whoever it was. Um, they can pull that into the, the, the same uh, networks for connectivity that we're using to connect the whole of IoT and all of our critical infrastructure really so that that's a massive problem if you move towards virtualization and and um the cloud uh, again what you're doing is you're bringing in much more um much more diversity of equipment even oran we talk a lot about open ran access i think in the short term even though it's going to build in more resilience and more uh, security longer term in the short term having those open interfaces and having having the ability to be able to research those open interfaces as a hacker and take advantage of them, I, I think that's a, that's a massive exposure. But I think we're going in the right direction. I just think that what we're trying to do is so huge that in the short term there, there will be mistakes. And the fact that it's so diverse and the fact that the, um, the, the devices connecting are, are potentially so um, sort of small and... Um, and low powered, I think causes an issue. And, well, no, I don't think it causes an issue. I know it causes an issue because in uh, in October this year, uh, Docomo had a, a network issue where they had to roll back um, after a migration to a new subscriber registry, I think. Uh, and they discovered that some of the IoT connections were failing and that, mean, that meant they had to force a, a set of re-registrations for their subscribers, but caused an overload on the network. Um, the registrations were failing, so they tried to re-register, and it basically created a broadcast storm. And there was two million uh, subscribers out for, I think it was four hours or something. So that all really comes down to to the low power, low intelligence devices not really helping the network. Operators have to control the signaling traffic entirely themselves. They can't rely on uh, the Samsung handset or the Apple handset or the Motorola handset to, to help them. It's not going to. These new devices, these multitude of new devices are not going to do that. And in fact, exactly what I predict, what, what um, I just mentioned, that was predicted by the GSMA years ago. There's a whole document, TS34, I think, off the top of my head, um, where, it, where it spoke about devices not backing off and causing exactly what happened to Docoma previously. So it, it's an issue that's there and uh, this issue is going to continue, but I think we were on the right lines. I just think it's going to be a, a bumpy path. No, I, I think I think you, you you hit the nail on the head here, right? So a lot of things. Complexity, I love the statement. Complexity is the enemy of security, right? The moment you 
you're trying to open it up and and bring many more players in the in the space trying to do new things uh, you there is a tendency you know uh, to leave gaps open and exposes the network the applications or the devices right and hackers hackers are normally ten steps ahead of you uh, in exploring those things so they have much more r&d budgets than any vendors <laughs> to yeah. figure figure these things out so and uh, run some money uh, kind of keeps funding them but um, i think these are you know important areas right virtualization cloud uh, edge computing open ran um diversity of networks you know let's that's why i call it a platform you know you're trying to bring in multitude of different type of networks into this overall experience whether it's your wifi or cellular or you know nbiot and you're able to bring in network slicing and able to control um things in a much more controlled way and apply you know stringent policies depending on the type of an application um, that that has been implemented in the network now there is also a parallel trend right of not relying on a public cellular network uh, for an enterprise connectivity needs right there is an ongoing desire to have uh, private networks whether it's an lte based today or evolving to 5g tomorrow or even 5g today in many cases does that um bring another layer of security by natively because it's private and you have you're, you're not opening up uh, the network to just like public networks and cloud i mean does that help with this overall security equation a little better for enterprises than leveraging public cellular networks <laughs> Double-edged sword, that I think. Uh, so there's, and you're right. They do. They run hand in hand. So there's a couple of things that we need to bear in mind there. So um, actually, in 2022, the the massive machine type communications um, 5G um, is released. So that that's released next year, and that that's particularly designed to be able to do those higher level of deployments. Um, the reason I mention that is uh, the massive machine type communications, what you tend to hear a lot of is network slicing. So people say that the issue I, I mentioned about Docoma just a moment ago, that couldn't happen because of network slicing. But network slicing capacity isn't infinite. Uh, you can probably handle five layers, probably, as a, as a proper MNO. And what that means is it limits your ability to to be able to separate traffic. And that's a particular driver for private networks because you're exactly right. The reason you have a private network is because you have a, a massive security um, uh, worries or you, a, a massive aversion to uh, threats. So that could be because you've got a factory that needs to always be on or whatever. Um, or you want to do something very bespoke. There's something there within your network that really needs you to be able to have that um, very granular ability to be able to authenticate users, to be able to separate traffic, to be able to uh, create a situation where it's very low latency with the multi-access edge compute you mentioned. Um, so there's a lot going on there. The problem is the MNOs, the, the mobile operators, sorry, they have been doing this for 40 years. And a lot of the time, if you're a, a massive manufacturer, you're a manufacturer. That's what you do. The, the fact that you're starting to take that it, that expertise, how do you get that expertise into your network? I think, to me, I, I think there will be there will be companies that do it themselves, and they'll have massive system integrators, and they'll they'll just pay a lot a lot of money on it. Uh, the French um, 
have got a, a very big network for their um, nuclear power stations. Obviously, if you're a nuclear power company, then it makes complete sense and you've got the money to be able to do it. However, that's that's an exception. That, that's a huge business. On most of the time, I'm, I would worry that you need to somehow get that expertise on that networking expertise onto your um, into your solution. Because let's face it, we, we, we talk about mobile networks and they do have their problems, but they also have the, the most uh, reliable networks in the world. We, we know that um, every operator, a lot of operators around the world have to, to just to keep their license, even British Telecom, to keep their license, they need to hit 99.999% uptime. That's a very reliable network and that's been doing that for 30 years. So it's, it's a, a very, or 100 years if you look at landlines, so it's a very secure network. You need to make sure when you do build it, you're building in that same level of expertise. So to me, I think private networks will definitely have a place. But I think a lot of the time there'll be a private network that's actually administered by some of the MNOs as well. I think that's the, that's the that would be the sweet spot for me if I was looking at it. I'd look to want to be able to utilise their skill sets in my private network. So that I would probably... Um, vehicles that solution rather than locking it all down and trying to do it myself. No, I think that's a, that's a very important point. Who manages it? I don't think you know a lot of enterprises are uh, in a position to manage the networks. In fact, the whole notion of hybrid networking is is evolving, has evolved, right? I mean, we all go with the cloud approach. I mean, even in you know communication space, that that was the you know people wanted to put everything in a cloud, but you know, there is a desire for having a little bit of a control and and not just control, but also the performance of anything that you're trying to do. Uh, I mean, that's that's exactly the reason why I believe even the edge computing is coming in back into the mix here, right? I call it a boomerang effect. Just, okay, I want to put everything back. You know, at one point we were doing everything on premise. Then we want everything on a cloud. Now everything coming back and saying, okay, no, no, no. We need something closer, but maybe not everything on premise. I don't want to manage everything. I need something, you know, closer to the edge. And, you know, we came we came up with this fancy term called edge, right? So I call that a boomerang effect of anything, any technology, which is, I believe, is, is going on for in, in all spheres, right? I want everything on premise network. You know, I want to use... I don't want to manage anything myself, uh, so that's why I use public public infrastructures. Now I need something more controlled. I, I want my private network, but but I think definitely the and I see an emerging uh, category of players also, right, who uh, are looking into private networks for managing those private networks. I mean, definitely MNOs, in fact, are uh, having uh, you know dedicated groups to become managed service providers. Um, not necessarily, you know, leveraging their public infrastructure and, and trying to push that and say, no, 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 you need to take this for my for your private network. But they are coming with more consultative approaches now and and supporting enterprises for their private deployments. In many cases, not necessarily always even bringing their own uh, 5G public network, whatever works best for the enterprise in that case, and also an emerging category of MSPs that way. So I, I do see, you know, the market is going in that direction uh, for sure, right? And and we definitely hope all of this um, becomes more uh, reasonable for an enterprise to think about how to modernize their infrastructure and digitize that using IoT technologies. So we're coming towards an end here, right? So um, of our discussion, this is great discussion, by the way. What would you tell enterprises in terms of 
with maybe specific examples of, okay, here are some of the security uh, issues that you should watch for. Um, and then what should be your next steps in terms of deciding how to form your next generation strategy to make your networks more modern and secure at the same time? I think, I think IoT brings with it massive advantages. I mean, you're driving efficiencies and you, you're either creating uh, more market or you're, you're locking down your, um, your outgoings and, and making yourself more efficient. But every, every solution is so diverse that I, I wouldn't try and, and, and come up with a catch-all uh, list of you need to look at this. I mean, obviously, NIST has got its own top ten, and you can you can get all of this information from. Um, Anisa is very very good in in Europe, but um, you can take that and use it across the globe. Because I think what's happening is uh, there's a lot of administrations across the globe can see the um, the impact of IoT. It's going to be worth it, the global impact of um, IoT is 11 trillion by 2025 a year. So. That's a, that's a lot. We're going to be releasing over a billion SIMs on the networks each year by 2025. So it's huge numbers. And all of that is being picked up by administrations across the globe. You have the, the UK, they're on the second reading of uh, a telecoms and IoT bill. The US have got the uh, executive order uh, for improving the name, nation's cybersecurity. That's all uh, going through. And I saw NIST close the, um, their white paper the other day to comment. The EU, they, they um, had the uh, interconnected radio equipment um, initiative that was ratified on the 29th of October. If you look in these, um, look into these documents, they all refer out to different, um, uh, different um, reference documents. In fact, most of them reference out to the Anisa, uh, sorry, no, the ETSI standard. Uh, 303645 comes up all the time and that, that's really good because I think that's going to be really important because there's a couple of things going on here if you're looking at a consumer if you're looking to actually sell an IoT product then you're probably looking at a year to 18 months to develop that end-to-end -end. by the time you've done the application the connectivity the device and you prototype it you're probably looking at 18 months that means that takes you to 2024 all of those um all of those regulations I mentioned, they will be live in 2024. It's not so much what you need to do. You have to do this if you want to sell. There's 447 million people in the EU. If you haven't got your CE certification, that that nearly half a billion people, are not you're not allowed to sell to by 2024. So you, you need to look at this. And there is, there's plenty there to be able to, to go on with. And the good news is the fact that they all keep referring back to the same Etsy standard means that you've got a global market. Uh, so what should happen is when you go for these regulations, then you'll actually be able to conf confidently address regulation across the globe because they all keep coming back to the same, uh, the same uh, standard, uh, which is great because that will remove market friction and avoid uh, the security strategies being diluted and stuff like that. So it's, um, I, I think that's going to come in. I, I think the administrations are actually on the right lines. I think they're, they're actually, for, for once, I, have, I can't see anything they're doing that isn't, that isn't a benefit. They could maybe go further, but um, they're, they're, they're actually trying to address the problems before they occur. And I, I think that's, a, that's really good. But uh, definitely you need, 
because of the diversity in solutions, you do need to speak to your partners and you do need to work them through. You do need a risk assessment, but you need to, they're going to be individual to you and they're going to be individual not only to your device and your applications, but also to your um, risk aversion, what your attitude is to risk. So I've sat on the fence there, I agree, but um, I think that. Honestly, I think that's the, the, the best way. Yeah, no, I think, I think first of all, the good news is there is some global standard coming up <laughs> that people can comply to. And uh -huh. the bad news is I'm sure the global standards are also going to be in the hands of the hackers. So you have to not just comply to it, but also be thinking 10 steps ahead of how anyone can break them and protect yeah. them. And that's where your partners come in. If your partner's not talking about security, if he's not leading the conversation, then he's following the conversation, then you have a problem. Make sure your partners are leading the conversations. And I think that there is companies that do that. There's companies that specialize in security uh, and put those front and center of their, their strategies, their go-to-market strategies. If you go to if you go to the partner and their go-to-market strategy is particularly maybe price-based, then, then potentially you have a problem. But you can still ask the same sort of questions. If you, if you go to a device manufacturer, ask the device manufacturer the last time he did a software upgrade. Because if he says four years ago, then that device has got a problem, you do not want to be with that guy. If he says, oh, I did it last week, and I, have, I track MITRE, and I, I, I look at it, and well, that sounds better. So that's what you need to, you need to be thinking about your supply chains in all these different areas, but you need, to, you need to pick your partners with a thought process that's going to protect you long term. Because if that regulation comes in, or you have a problem, then you've got a, then you've got a massive problem. The, the Gartner actually had a, um, uh, a survey a few, few months ago that said that um, they expect uh, operational technology to be weaponized by 2025. So operational technology is um, just a subset of IoT that actually does things, moves objects um, or, or creates a, some sort of um, action. And that's going to be weaponized by 2025. That's, that's huge. Because that, that will cost billions to the company, but it'll, I mean, beyond the loss of life potentially or injury, which would be terrible as well. The other thing that's important is they released a, a previous um, findings where they said they expect 75% of CEOs to be personally liable if that happened. So if you're the CEO of an enterprise, you need to read those Gartner documents because one, your company's at risk, but secondly, you're at risk. So I think security has to be foremost in our um, minds because the way the world's going, our, our physical lives and our digital experiences, they're, they're coming closer and closer together. You're wearing wearable tech now. Your doorbell is videoing you. It's all coming back and blurring the lines. It's blurring the lines to the point where it's your, your um, cyber experiences and your physical lives, they're almost going to be indistinguishable in the future. So it is vitally important that you look at that now because you don't want to be caught out in the future. Oh, my God. Awesome, 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 uh, Jimmy. That's a, that's a great closing statement and a great appeal to the entire community, whether it's your CIO or vendors, on how do you need to think about this. There's definitely an urgency factor here, and I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Anytime, Ashish. Great right. to chat. Great discussion, Jimmy. You made some very interesting points. 
I completely agree that complexity is the enemy of security. Hopefully very soon the IoT Frankenstein monster will convert into a genie for the industrial automation in the private 5G era. Your guidance to the enterprise CIOs is spot on. I'm sure they will learn a great deal from your insights on avoiding the security pitfalls of IoT networks. Thanks everyone for listening. Please subscribe to the Alignment podcast on your favorite platform. It is A L Y N M E N T. We hope you will continue the conversation by asking questions and sharing your thoughts on the intersection of IoT and private 5G in the enterprise. Feel free to reach out to me at ashish.jain at kairospulse.com or drop me a note on my LinkedIn. Till next time, take care.